The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield as she's in Washington, D.C. for Washington Watch. We'll be hearing more about that later on in the week. Joining to talk the train today is Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, thanks again for joining us and talking the trade today. As we get started, let's go to where the positive action was. That was in the grain trade for the wheat. Now that we had the May contract, it, it goes off the board after today, nearly a 5% move higher. What got in behind the trade? Oh, I think the hard red wheat was the leader and the, and the one that consolidated first, then found a substantial amount of short covering. And I think, as you say, the uh, expiration of the May contracts coming between this afternoon and tomorrow at noon uh, for some others, uh, probably really a, a function of the funds at this stage, Clay. And I think it was a very welcome change and shift in that the Kansas City wheat, or the hard red wheat as we now call it, uh, was able to rally almost 5% on the close, uh, settle out in the May contract at 397. Notice then the new lead month contract coming on board is the July new crop. That coming in at 397 for a close as well. I, I tend to like it when the market does this, when you see the old crop rally and the uh, new crop or the next lead month contract follows and they close almost identically right around the expiration. That tends to suggest that the market is very much in equilibrium. I wonder, because I had heard from a couple clients and subscribers last week in West Central and Central Kansas uh, about potential frost damage getting down below 32 degrees, uh, a couple times, in fact, in certain areas of Kansas, and I suspect in uh, parts of western, west, uh, central Nebraska, we probably saw some pretty close temperatures to that level as well, whether there maybe wasn't a little bit of an issue there that the trade wanted to come in and maybe price into before the crop conditions report comes out this afternoon. And just to give the uh, listening audience kind of a barometer of where the trade is sitting, the expectations for the winter wheat conditions remain very elevated at 64%, good to excellent going into today's estimates uh, by the USDA. The range of trade was only 63 to 65%. So that's a number to watch here to see if the uh, wheat and the hard red futures continues to support and lead the turnaround. It was very welcome news for the soft red wheat market because that gave the soft red wheat market anywhere from a 2 to a 2.7% gain. The big number I'm going to be watching now in the soft red wheat because it's such a much larger uh, volume traded and, and fund heavy uh, complex compared to the other uh, wheat futures is the 432 level clay. That was last week's high. That I think is a major area and target. If we close above it, we could see some major sentiment and momentum uh, take place here in terms of the wheat market individually. Talking about that news that's going to be coming out today with the latest USDA crop progress. What, something we've been watching, especially with last Friday's WASD, is the latest information coming from USDA, and we're going to switch gears now from wheat but back over to corn and beans. But it seems like USDA copy seems to be favoring the beans more than corn. Am I crazy in thinking that? No, in fact, that's something that I really delved into as much as I possibly could this weekend on the weekend copy. And I, I do believe that USDA is creating a more extreme scenario between favoring the 
U.S. soybeans versus the U.S. corn. You can't say that as much when it comes to the world numbers because the world ending stocks for corn, uh, because of the demand that they're looking at this coming year, uh, the world ending stocks and stocks to use for corn actually looks better than soybeans. But when you look at the U.S. supply demand statistics, you saw in wheat and corn both exports drop 50 million bushels apiece for 2019-2020 corn whereas USDA took the uh, the, the uh, soybean exports up, uh, I believe it was 125 or 175 million bushels, yeah, 175 million bushels over 2018-2019. You also have a yield issue to contend with. The USDA is keeping the yield very low, 49.5 bushels for a national yield in the soybeans, whereas they're pumping up the corn yield up up towards the three-year average of 176 bushels to the acre. So what you're essentially doing, and I, I probably overstated it and overdid it as, as far as my rhetoric and just a emotion of what's been going on in this trade and taking so many phone calls from producers. I talked about how the inmates are running the asylum when it comes to how the corn figures look to me, because I will say it this way and, and correct myself. I feel as though getting to a 2.5 billion bushel new crop corn carryover is truly a stretch at this point, Clay. And I especially feel that way if we cannot get in the fields in the next seven days, because I'm starting to hear from clients, from the boots on the ground, that they will take bigger and bigger numbers in terms of prevent plant acres, not just because of the weather, but because of the price and the frustration as well. And that starts in the spring wheat and in the corn and that's where it goes back to today's crop progress report. The trade expects 35% of the corn to have gotten planted on USDA's numbers. If it's less than that, with wet weather models, I think we can assume prevent planting acres is only going to go higher. Because if we go below 35% in plantings of corn today, we're talking about levels not seen since 2013 and 1993. Mike, talking about weather and that preventative planning, what are the latest models showing you as we start to wrap up? Got about 50 seconds here in this last segment. Yeah, the, the European model, which had been dragging its feet on turning wetter after this upcoming weekend, there's a small system coming through Wednesday, Thursday. Both models agree with that. But the Saturday-Sunday models, uh, Saturday-Sunday expectations were a lot different. The GFS was wetter the European was drier. The updated Europeans coming out as we're going on the air here actually are turning wetter. So it looks really tough going as of next Monday to get back in those fields. Again, we're talking with Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, on today's Fontenelle Final Bell, recapping the positive trade that with the wheat after several weeks of this down sessions. Glad to see it coming back up. Also getting in a little bit on the current stations of where our weather and per current planning sits. Coming up, we're going to discuss livestock as well as China trade. This is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, is joining us once again today in our first segment discussing grains as well as the current weather patterns for planning conditions. Now let's go to trade talk here, uh, Mike. And as we look there over the weekend, China coming back, they're going to put more tariffs on $60 billion worth of U.S. goods. Right now, what is your take on the U.S.-China trade situation? I am still optimistic that my bet is going to be, based upon the analysis that I've done to date, Clay, that we will see one side blink 
between now and maybe run it all the way up to the G20 meeting in June in Japan, and I think that side will be the Chinese because of their economic situation and President Xi's political situation. I'll give you two statistics, and we can go deeper if you like, but China's bad loans in the first quarter, and this is official government data, so it actually may be worse than what they are telling us, but their bad loans in the first quarter hit a 16-year high last week, and so they have the worst situation when it comes to repayment on loans, uh, commercial loans, going all the way back to 2003. Secondly, we saw their inflationary data, their pig prices are helping, their pork inflation uh, is helping to drive overall consumer price inflation higher. Uh, pork inflation was up almost 14.5% in April year over year. That took the food inflation up 6.1%. That was the highest since 2015. And so now we have the overall consumer prices starting to find a lot more traction in terms of getting up to 2016 levels. When you have job losses like we are having in China, when you have stimulus that they are doing and they have been doing ever since the beginning of the year, and you get these kind of statistics, I go back to the economic mindset and the economic uh, idea of the law of diminishing returns, that they can throw out more money to stimulate their economy, but the bang for their buck, so to speak, is going to get lower and lower and lower, and these numbers support that idea. So I think as we get towards the June uh, uh, situation with the G20 meeting, if these June 1 tariffs go into place and we do it on all of the imports that we bring in of Chinese goods, that will really hurt the Chinese economy. Unfortunately, it will hurt all of the Asian economies as well because China is such a big hub for manufacturing and putting essentially a bunch of parts together into finished goods. And so that's where the currency markets have to be watched very closely. The Chinese currency is back up to levels not seen since last December on the offshore market, but the U.S. dollar has not been you know, skyrocketing. So I'm a little bit more optimistic at this point. Talking about China, when you look at how the between the U.S. and China, China has a very tight leadership control. They have President Xi and a close group of advisors there for the party. When it comes to that, what what type of impacts are they going to have to see before they want to really start to play ball? Yeah, I think this is already happening. And I say this because the Communist Party was started 100 years ago in 2021. And so it was in 1921 that the Chinese established the Communist Party, what would have become, after the revolution, the, the, the Communist Party that essentially is the, uh, uh, the Republic of, of the People's uh, Republic of China at this, sta- at this stage. And, you know, after taking on and beating Chiang Kai-shek in Taiwan and the National Public Party uh, that he represented in the kind of the democracy side of the equation, um, we now have a communist regime in place, and they're getting ready to celebrate in a big, big way a 100-year anniversary. And so my contacts and, and the analysis and intelligence I've been able to pick up and glean is, is that he is facing political pressure already, and that will only intensify as we get into the, the later part of this year. The second part of this is the idea that maybe the president in China, President Xi, wanted to try and delay these trade talks going into the 2020 U.S. presidential election. I really looked at that hard in the last 10 or 15 days. I just don't think he has the time to run out the clock, so to speak, to be able to do that. 
and and therefore that is not an option for him to be able to try and uh, kind of gently overthrow President Trump by not negotiating in trade and trying to uh, well up a uh, anti uh, domestic mindset here in the United States. In fact, President Trump enjoys quite a bit of bipartisan support when it comes to China, and he does when it comes to what I look at analytically. The problem I've faced is the idea of taking on not just China, but Japan and Mexico and Canada and Europe. These are the things that I think we've just started too many fires, and we don't have enough firemen to keep control of these fires. So I would have preferred that we just take on China and leave everybody else alone for now. Mike, as we wrap up here on the Fontenelle Final Bell, talk to us about where people can go read these in-depth newsletters if you have it, globalanalytics.biz. Mike, you have some pretty interesting newsletters discussing things like we discuss here on the Final Bell. Yeah, and we've shortchanged the livestock, but I deal with as much livestock as I do with the grains because they're getting and becoming more and more important as we go through the times that we go through right now. And they may be the answer if we don't get African swine fever here in the North American continent. They may be the answer to why we see such a lot better demand in this market as we close out 2019 and 20 get into 2020, and the trade maybe isn't looking that right now. So yeah, globalanalytics.biz, sign up for a trial or call me toll-free. 866-471-2588. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joining us on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Thanks to Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers for their support of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.